What's up, everybody? It's Greg, and here's what's coming to the Popping Collars feed in the month of November 2020. On the flagship Popping Collars podcast, we're talking religion and politics. On take two, Kyle Goodman returns to look back at the Marvel movie saga. Betsy and I wrap up the year of 1989 Oscar movies with a conversation about When Harry Met Sally on Going on 30. The Sacred Six arrives at the episode of Star Trek with the most famous kiss in television history, Plato's Stepchildren. And finally, you asked for them to return, and we delivered. Liz and Ricardo are back with a new episode of the PC Book Club. Thanks for listening, and keep those collars popped. This year, I read 44 books. Whoa. Yeah. We're probably tied, I think. My goal for this year is 50, and I think I'm at like 43 or 44. Really? Yeah. Well, I have to say only 12 of them are actual, were actual books, reading books. 32 of them were audiobooks. It still counts. It still counts. Uh, there are some differences, I will say. But um, also seven of those audiobooks were the Harry Potter series. Yeah. <laughs> like that. So, you know. <laughs> Welcome to Popping Collars, a satellite, uh, our satellite program called the PC Book Club, which comes to you every fifth Monday when there is a fifth Monday. At least I think that's the criteria. My name is Ricardo Avila. I am the rector at St. Luke's Los Gatos in California. And my other co-host is Liz Easton. Liz, tell us again about you. Hey, Ricardo. So I currently am juggling two very full-time jobs. One is as the canon to the ordinary of the Diocese of Nebraska. And the other is reading the first volume of Barack Obama's memoir before it's due at the library. <laughs> It's all Obama all the time. Wow, you're a very responsible citizen to um, want to return it on time. Um, well, I feel bad because there's such a wait list. But if I'm being honest, th- there some fines might be incurred. <laughs> might happen. What we do normally here is we each recommend a book to you listeners uh, for your reading and or audiobook listening pleasure. You know, we, we, we may do that at the end of the podcast, but I had talked with Liz and suggested that maybe we just have kind of a general chat about reading. You know, where I tend to get my reading lists each year is I wait for the New York Times 10 best books of the year to come out. And mm-hmm. it's uh, five fiction and five nonfiction. And I take that as my reading list for the next year. It's a and good so, way to do it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, the, the, the New York Times list came out um, on Monday, November 23rd, and um, I went and looked at it, and I thought, oh, some of the books I've read are sure to be on there. Well, zero of them. Oh, man, I haven't seen it yet. Really? Mm-mm. Oh, I... Let's look at it together. I, I think, is it okay to just name the 10 best books of 2020? According yeah. To I mean, we're not, you know, we're not telling you to subscribe to the New York Times, et cetera. But, no, no. So here they are. Here are the five fiction books. And, oh. and one of them is called A Children's Bible by Lydia Millett. Now, have you heard of this book? I've heard of it. And it was, as it says right there on the cover, I knew it was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. And I've heard it's great, but I have not read it. I have not read it either. Never heard of it. And I don't know, I feel like I'm missing out. 
but uh, it apparently has some biblical, real biblical things that happen. Ooh, that it. might be right up our alley. It really might. Kind Similar, of. Deacon King Kong. That was another great book that I didn't read. Right? So I just started listening to that on audiobook. Because what I did was when this list came out, I ran to my library online. And anything I, th- I could find as an audiobook, I put a hold on. And then the nonfiction ones, I also, this is going to make me sound greedy, but... I also got the book reserved so that in case there are like photographs and stuff, because it's oh, yeah. historical. Yeah. And then if I didn't find the audiobook at the library, I went to my Audible account and purchased it. It's a I good got, way to do it. I have all 10 of them now at some level of hold. Or That's so audio. fun. That's a great way to come up with a reading plan. I love it. So Deacon King Kong is the second book by James McBride. He uh, he won the National Book Award for The Good Lord Bird a few mm-hmm. years ago, I believe. And I think that was also one of the top 10 of that year. I feel like this book was a contender for a bunch of prizes. Or maybe this one won the National Book Award. I see it on the cover. Oh, yeah. I, I know Good Lord Bird won something. This guy also wrote a memoir called, I think it's called The Color of Water. And another thing that I came across recently with the New York Times last year was they put out the fi- a list of the 50 best memoirs of the last 50 years. Mm. And I, I was looking at that list. and I'm going to read that. I'm going to read that. And in fact, one of the books I hope to talk about today is from that list. Another choice is Hamnet. Oh, yeah. This is supposed to be great. Yeah. Fiction. It's about fiction. The, the death of William Shakespeare's son. And it's like a fictionalized, it sounds a lot like Lincoln on the Bardo, but Shakespearean. Elizabethan, one might say. Nice. Elizabethan, not to, you know. My favorite booktube, um, booktuber, which is, you know, YouTube about books. His name is Simon Savage in the UK. He loved Hamnet and was just crazy about it. So that was how I heard about it. Oh, nice. Good. So, and he's good. You like his, uh, love him. Yeah. Savage reads is his, um, is his YouTube channel. He's really good. See, there's such a world out there. That's what I, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. Um, Booktube is great fun. Oh my gosh. Booktube. Okay. There you go, folks. So that's Hamnet, a novel of the plague. I guess his son died of the plague. Yeah. uh, By Maggie O'Farrell. And then Homeland Elegies by Ayad Akhtar. He is a Pulitzer Prize winning author of Disgraced. I don't know more about that, but I did. That's one of the purchases on Audible I made. And I started listening to it just last night. But boy, it is so rich. Like the first chapter, a a reviewer compared it to like it was Walt Whitman-esque. And it really is. It's this sort of song of America kind of thing. And it's beautifully written. I actually, you know, I usually can speed up my audiobook to 1.25 speed, like the Harry Potter. Yeah, right. But this, I actually had to slow down to 0. 0.8. <laughs> oh, wow. So that'll take you a while to get through. Yeah, I went to Deacon King Kong instead for now. Yeah. And then one book that Liz recommended. Oh, The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. Yes. Loved that book. That's yeah. what I talked about on our last episode. Exactly. So good. Did you ever read it, Ricardo? Not yet, but oh. guess what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's on the list. Oh. So thank you. Yeah. And you talked about what it, what it was about. So very yeah, interesting. I loved it. And then the five nonfiction books, which you know, are more fiction people. I think. Uh, yeah. I don't read a lot of nonfiction. I am right now. Ooh, this one's supposed to be so good. 
What is it, Liz? Hidden Valley Road inside the mind of an American family. And I think it's about a family that among um, many, many siblings, all or many of the children had um, schizophrenia. And so it was, it's sort of an examination of their treatment in the seventies of what that was like. And so it's sort of a, a indictment of mental health care from that era, but also this sort of um, it's a family story. Family story. Right. I, yeah. This is the only book of the 10 that I actually already had pre-purchased on audible, but I haven't listened to yet. So um, there's my one little victory. And then the next one in nonfiction oh. is you were just talking about it. A Promised Land by Barack Obama. Here's what I can tell you so far. I'm not a big political, like, I don't know a lot. I'm here for the stories. I'm here for the family life. I'm here for the more personal reflections. But it is very, having watched The West Wing many times, it is sort of fun to be put inside that world. He goes into great detail. No, there, are th- no. there's some. Well, but there are some things I feel like I, d- I don't need to know. Oh. <laughs> there, there's a lot. There's a lot in there, but it's very good. Liz, I think you are going to incur some fines, by the way. If you're, I think I will. <laughs> it's so long. Primaries or whatever. <laughs> and then this book, Shakespeare Ooh. in America: What His Plays Tell Us About Our Past and Future by James Shapiro. This is good for you because you're a big Shakespeare fan, aren't you? Well, I'm more of the Dickens, Dostoevsky, 19th century guy. That's right. But certainly, you know, uh, my better half teaches some Shakespeare in high school. I did try to read a lot of Shakespeare this year. I I almost took a a 10-part online Shakespeare class, but couldn't do it time-wise. And, you know, in the comments section, people go to town. They're talking about, you left this book out. This book is awesome. So that's actually more recommendations uh, a lot of people dissed this one. They're like, what? I tried to read that. It was, what was the point of it? Because it talks about his plays in relation to like American history. Like, I guess John Adams had a real problem with the interracial relationship between Othello and Desdemona and wow. was pretty vocal about it. So it's kind of weird. Like it makes those connections. And apparently one of the essays towards the end is about the Trump era, but I can't remember what book they, or what play they link it to, but apparently that's when it really takes off. And, you know, unfortunately by then either you love it or hate the book. Yeah. Good luck. I'm not sure I would read that one. So, uh, and then uncanny Valley by Anna Weiner or Weiner. It's a memoir and she is, she basically goes into Silicon Valley and gets a job and gets um, her, the scales fall from her eyes about the, mm. the behavior of the people that she is with. And um, this one also in the comments section got a little skewered, although some people found it fabulous, including a woman, same situation, found a job in Silicon Valley and was really disillusioned. Ah. So yeah, so Uncanny Valley, a memoir. Interesting. Um, and then the last one, I've never heard of the book. It's called War by Margaret Macmillan. How Conflict Shaped Us. Ooh. You know, she wrote a book called Paris 1919 back in the two, like 2012 or something. That was apparently quite a quite a historical thing. And it's, it's about war. Apparently her view is that it's not an aberration, but a part of human nature to have mm-hmm. war. And what does that mean about us as people? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so very curious. And I, I did put that on hold as well. So those are the 10 books from the New York Times for this year. 
you know, one of the criticisms in the comments section is there are no books from another country. I was going to say there's no international literature here at all or translate. Well, I mean, it's usually the same thing, but usually translated fiction is um, an important part of a well-balanced reading diet. <laughs> exactly. Reading is, especially in this pandemic time, I, I want to say it's so wonderful to lose yourself in another world. And if I had more time in life, I'd probably really dive in even more. I know that some people really want to read more and they don't know how, you know, it feels daunting or you did read before the pandemic and now it doesn't feel good or you don't have the intention span. And you made it, you referenced Harry Potter earlier. And um, I would say if you're in that situation, pick up something that's totally for pleasure. Like there is no shame in that at all. And it's a good way to, to get back into exercising that muscle. I read a few Harry Potter books in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, the fun mystery, whatever, spy thriller, whatever, like just, it's all, it's all good. It is. It totally is all good. And you never know when you're going to find nuggets of wisdom in that stuff. Totally. I'm surprised at how some of some books make it into sermons with me. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. And it's usually the nonfiction, like Just Mercy, the Brian Stevenson and incarceration stuff. And um, just how shocking these stories are about injustice and, you know, God's God's grace and salvation nonetheless. And I actually have a reputation with parishioners at the church where I am of just reading depressing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, someone bought me some mystery audiobooks. <laughs> Here, read these fun mysteries. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I get my lists and I start to read. That's okay. great. I was surprised that when all was said and done with all my kind of rabbit hole stuff yesterday, uh, probably at least maybe uh, at least 25%, if not a third of the books that I bought on Audible or put on hold or whatever were by African-American writers or were about the African-American experience. Um, the, there's a new Malcolm X autobiography yeah. biography that in that comments section, never heard of it, but two people were like, this thing will change your life. So I ordered that on Audible and the Barack Obama book. And um, The Vanishing Half, which I want to listen to. And Deacon King Kong. And, um, well, I guess Homeland Elegies is more Muslim. But, you know, it's just, it's rich. It's just rich. And, you know, what else would we do with our time if we have time to spare? I think it yeah. is a way of, of becoming a more whole person. I think so, too. Like, I'm surprised by how often a thought or an image or I will be reminded of something, a connection will be made. And I'll think like, God, you know, that was from a book. And then I'll have to think back, which one was that? And so it, it gets to a point where those stories do sort of populate your interior life and help you make connections. And that always feels really magical to me because it's not why I set out to read. I'm not a super critical reader. I don't remember a fair amount of like the book I'm going to recommend today, right before we started recording, I was like, do I remember how that ended for this one character? Like I'm not, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you guys, I wouldn't spoil it, but um, I, I really do read for pleasure. I haven't been in a book club in a long time. It, it would be hard for me to get super critical. It's really about the experience of sitting down with these characters and is why I really love character driven fiction. 
So, um, Liz, I'm just going to say one more thing because we're just... I love it. I love this conversation. The other thing, I, audiobooks, the thing I love about audiobooks is sometimes I will remember a book and remember where I was when I was listening. Mm-hmm. And it'll just bring back the whole feeling of that time. So for the month of June this year, even though with COVID, I was house sitting for some parishioners uh, down in Los Gatos, which is 45 minutes from where I am. So it was still so close to the church. Um and they had this huge house. I mean, it was like a, a room. The shower was a room. It was awesome. I and love it. I was listening to a memoir called Here For It by R. Eric Thomas, black gay man, uh, Christian, growing up. And he's hilarious. He, I guess, does some sort of online thing. Eric reads the news, or he used to. Um, but he's so funny and self-deprecating and these embarrassing things happen to him and yet it's so heartful. And here I am in this big, beautiful house, like all by myself for a month. And I listen, I remember listening to that, like as I would get ready in the morning and stuff. And it was just, it was sort of blissful, you know, it was funny. It wasn't too intense. So many of the books I read are like depressing or intense or like nonfiction, like cast. Oof. Yeah. Intense. Um, so I like remembering that or like, oh, this was when I was, you know, I took a road trip recently and I listened to uh, an audiobook that I didn't like called Real Life by Brandon Taylor. It was like a finalist for some things this year. Um, fiction. Um, and again, I was annoyed with the characters, but there I was in my hotel room in Cambria and in Big Sur listening and kind of shaking my fist at the characters. Yeah. I don't know. It's just nice. You don't do audiobooks, do you? I do audiobooks when I'm traveling by myself, which pre-COVID I did a lot for work and um, when I'm exercising. But I can't do a serious novel that way. So I'll read like thrillers, and which I love. I still love a good, I just read a really fun thriller, I like mystery type thing. So that that's what I'll do for audiobooks, but I've um I don't pay enough attention when I'm listening. Yep, of course. To to get the really beautiful language or a more artful um book. Of course. But not and non sometimes I'll do nonfiction and that kind of feels like listening to a podcast for nine hours, you know, which I enjoy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well okay. So that's sort of our chit chat about books including the New York Times top 10 books of the year. And so we hope you enjoyed that. So speaking of recommendations and lists, we each have uh, a recommendation for you today. Liz, do you want to start? Sure. So there's at the point of us recording this, there's still maybe five or six weeks left in the year 2020. So I hesitate to say this, but I feel like I can pick my favorite read from 2020 right now, which is a big thing to say because um, I've been on a roll. Like the last few books I've read, I was like five stars, five stars, which I don't dole out five stars on Goodreads very easily. But I, I just finished this book and it was stunning. And it's The Night Watchman by Louise Erdrich, who, um, have you read any of her stuff? You know, I think I've read like, She's has some short stories. I think. Yep. Louisa Love Medicine is probably her most famous or, and the roundhouse. Right. And she's she, pretty prolific. Yeah. She, I have a book that has the word rose in it. Yeah, that could be. 
Anyway, but I haven't read her in a really long time. And this book came out in March. And um, so same deal. I read about it in the Times, put it on hold. Then COVID happened and my library closed. And when my library reopened, all of the books that I had on hold came in at one time. So I had to hustle. (laughs) So I spent a very intense week with this beautiful book, The Night Watchman. Thomas Wajashk removed his thermos from his armpit and set it on the steel desk alongside his scuffed briefcase. His work jacket went on the chair, his lunchbox on the cold windowsill. When he took off his padded tractor hat, a crabapple fell from the ear flap, a gift from his daughter, Fee. He caught the apple and put it out on the desktop to admire, then punched his time card, midnight. He picked up the key ring, a company flashlight, and walked the perimeter of the main floor. In this quiet, always quiet, expanse, he'd been lucky to get his own job. He was smart and honest, but he wasn't young and skinny anymore. He got the job because he was reliable, and he knocked himself out to do all that he did as perfectly as he could do it. He made his inspections with a rigid thoroughness. And the premise is that um, it's set on the Turtle Mountain Native American Reservation, Chippewa Reservation in rural North Dakota in the early 1950s. And it's loosely based on Erdrich's grandfather, who was a night watchman at this factory, and he was also on the tribal council. And he became aware of a bill going through Congress that was that they said that they wanted to emancipate Native Americans from their reservations. But what they really wanted to do was dissolve the reservation system, relocate Native American communities to urban centers, and then take the land. And he started this grassroots effort to um, fight against that bill, which they did successfully. And anyway, so that's part of the premise of the story is, is him and sort of getting to know him. And again, like, just like I said earlier, the type of character I love, just like complicated and ultimately good and loving and just a great character. And then also his niece, who is a factory worker at the factory where he's a night watchman and her story of kind of coming of age and trying to figure out who she is. It was just a gorgeous gorgeous book beautifully woven together all these different stories there are wonderful stories about people this community becomes very real there's some mystery there's death and life and sex and birth and um humor super spiritual there are ghosts and um and uh religious traditions and rites and rituals there were many passages where I wept, not for the content of the passage as much as for the beauty of the language. Wow. It was just that beautiful. So I just loved it. It was so good. Wow. Yeah. Watchmen by Louise Erdrich. Yep. Nice. I- Best book of 2020. Wow, and I haven't even heard of it. I'm surprised it's not on that list. It, it, it came out to a lot of acclaim, and it's pretty long, but not, not a wasted word. Yeah, it was just, I can't recommend it highly enough. Wow. Thank you, Liz. That's quite a, that's quite a showstopper right there. Yeah. What about you, Ricardo? What do you have to recommend? 
Well, thanks, Liz. You know, unlike you, I have had a bad streak of reads recently. So I'm going to go back to something I read uh, three months or four months ago. It's a, it's a, um, it's a memoir uh, by a woman named Natasha Trethaway, and it's called Memorial Drive. Uh, it came out in July, I believe. It's fantastic. You know, she's a poet, and I think she's even a Pulitzer Prize winning poet. She is biracial, and her, her father is white, her mother is black. And she grew up in the South and the parents divorce, but kind of on good terms. And the father becomes a professor up North and the mother gets a, a, a marries someone else while the author is still a girl. And this stepfather is a bit of a monster, domestic violence. And he winds up, and this is not a secret. He winds up killing the mother, like oh. murdering her mother. And the novel or the novel, the memoir is about Natasha Trethaway coming to terms with what happened, it's like an anniversary and she's going back to Atlanta to kind of figure things out. Wow. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. And her prose is beautiful. You know, it's not, I listened to it on audiobook. It wasn't so dense that you couldn't hear it on audiobook, but it was kind of like, whoa, I gotta hear that again. And you kind of go back and hear the beautiful phrasing she says for some of the most painful things. Mm-hmm. And, and the narrative itself is just riveting. How, how she slowly kind of circles around the actual event of the murder um, in the telling of the story is, is really, it's, it, it, it's not at all annoying. It really just kind of builds it up. And, and it's just, it's heartbreaking. This woman really just, loved her daughter and wanted the best for her and stood up for her even to this stepfather to the point that, you know, she stood up for her and then got beat, beaten, mm. up, you know, but it, it gave the daughter strength and it's just beautiful and heartbreaking. And the mother had so many dreams for herself and just, you know, terrible. So Natasha Trethaway Memorial drive, a daughter's memoir. And it's about the love they have for each other too. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Yeah, it's really good. It's not long. It's amazing because she's really, I think she was even like a poet laureate for a year or something. I don't know how that works, but um, it's, it's, it's a great book. You can sort of tell it's written by a poet because she doesn't really waste images. Um, mm-hmm. It's not, it, it doesn't get bogged down. So, Oh, that, I love that's, it. That's my pick. That's great. Thank you. I'm putting that on the list. Yeah, and I'm putting yours on my list. Yay. Maybe even before the top 10 from the New York Times, because the, the Liz Easton list. Actually, oh, people seem to like the book club. That's what I'm told. <laughs> and it's end of the year, so, you know. Right. People might be doing, like, Christmas shopping it's, of books. Okay. <laughs> so you can find Popping Collars anywhere you found us now including places like what are where are we stitcher like apple Podcasts, stitcher things of that nature and you can find us on our website poppingcollarspodcast.com we are on facebook but we don't interact very well with that page yeah yeah just know that these days pretty much every monday a new podcast comes out from the popping collars empire and we have some plans for 2021. We don't want to spoil anything, but we just had a, a state of the pod meeting and uh, there are some good ideas flowing. That's right. So stay tuned. Do not touch that dial. And 
<laughs> and get reading because hopefully some of you will have some time off in the holiday season and you won't get to travel where you normally would. So you can get a great book read and know more about life. Yeah, so. you too can read 900 pages from former President Barack Obama on your Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah, just not if you are living in the Omaha area and have um, and you're on the waiting list because he's no. keeping it for a little longer than she's. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> in the meantime, keep those collars popped. Pop, pop. I'm giving you.